0: Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over the counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and The Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And Maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. All right. Our Real Mom Chats Continue today. Today I talked to Sarah. I think her story is so important and will be so helpful to a lot of you. It is not one of counting days and celebrating days and complete sobriety. It's an up and down journey mm-hmm. where she's learning the whole time what alcohol does to her, how it affects her, and if she wants it in her life. And I, I think that as much as we hear the rock bottom stories, I think these stories are just so important to hear. I'm so grateful that she she said she was thinking of canceling and I'm just so glad she didn't because I think that we get way more out of this story than if she just had come on and said, Yep, I decided to stop drinking and then I stopped drinking. Because I, I think those stories are really rare. I think more often than not, it's a long game and we're just learning along the way. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Also, I want to remind you to um, go join our Sober Mom Life Facebook group. This is where all of these women are talking with each other and connecting and sharing sobriety tips and inspo. And there's just so many posts throughout the day. It's, It's just a lovely thing to see. I love checking in there and seeing all the sober and sober curious mamas. No, you do not have to be sober to be a member. You just have to, you know, be questioning your relationship with alcohol, which I I think uh, all of us are these days. Also, I want to remind you, if you are loving the show, please give it a follow wherever you listen, rate and review it. That helps us to make sure that we are discovered by more moms. And then also come and follow me on the Sober Mom Life on Instagram because I'm sharing stuff on there all the time. Sober um, inspo and tricks and tips and just mom life goodness. So come and follow me and say hi. Okay. I hope you enjoy this episode with Sarah. Okay, we're here with Sarah. Sarah, first of all, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. 47. Ooh, four, oh my God, you look amazing. I mean, not like 47. It's so, when people say that, it's like, well, what does that mean? Should I not look amazing?
1: Yeah, no, I know. I know. It's very, it's. I know. There's like this prescribed notion of what you should look like. But I have to say, I remember my mom telling me when I was younger, she's like, I feel like I'm 20 like mentally. Yes. And I get it now. Like, I get it. Like, okay, I'm 47, but I really think I just graduated from college. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, totally. Like in my head, my mom is still 40. You know what I mean? Like I'm not 42. My mom is 42. Exactly. Well, okay. So thank you so much for being here. You are part of the Sober Mom Life Facebook group. And so tell us a little bit about yourself first. Sure. Um, Gosh, where do I start? Let's see. Um, That's always a hard question. question. It's so vague. Okay. Well, I'll
1: just say where I am now. Okay. Currently living in South America in Colombia. Oh. Move a lot with my family, which is my husband. And then I have two boys, 14 and 16. And we move every three years. He's an international pharmaceutical. So that takes us different places. Okay. And I'm originally from New Jersey. And let's see, I went to NYU for college. And study art history. And I have been a
0: stay-at-home mom since my oldest son was born. Wow. Okay. Yep. That's the hardest, hardest job in the entire world. It's truly like those are the heroes. It
1: is really hard. And um, I'm sort of sad sometimes when there's still this battle between the working mom and the stay-at-home mom. And
0: yeah, you know,
1: to me, being a real feminist is just accepting whatever path a woman has decided for herself and her family. Like that's fine, but yeah.
0: 000%. But there's still yeah. it
1: still lingers sometimes. <laughs> yeah,
0: I get it. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into, you know, before we could talk about sobriety and where you are with that, let's talk about drinking and your relationship with alcohol. Well, I would
1: say my relationship with alcohol started when I was 15. Okay. My dad is bipolar and very verbally abusive father mm-hmm. to my mother and I. You know, the house was like, uh, he would say to me, one day I love you, the next day I wish I never had you. Ugh. Oh, let me show you how to paint to you don't know how to do everything. So I think when I was fifteen, I used it as a form of escapism right from the beginning. Yeah. So from the beginning, I never had a healthy connection with alcohol. My parents do not drink. My dad's father was an alcoholic. So he didn't drink, but yet he acted like an alcohol a child of an alcoholic. Okay. But I was never around it. It it was just something I used for to escape.
0: Of course. Right. Like, how do you not like when you're in that? You, yeah, I'm sure that first taste of alcohol and that feeling of not being where you are and not being present, like you needed that. So then you you just continued to turn to it,
1: continue to turn to it. Um, You know, I, I did other things like, you know, acid and so on and so forth. Thankfully, I was always really good at my studies. So I kept that part of my personal life up. And then in college, it became more of a social thing. It wasn't so much a dependency in a form of escapism. Mm -hmm. And then in my 20s, it was social like, you know, most people. Yeah. It was interesting though. I was a social smoker Mm -hmm. and I quit smoking when my grandmother passed away because it clicked how bad it is for you, right? Yeah. But now at 47, it's so interesting to me that the idea of alcohol being bad for your body is clicking now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where
1: we're so delayed with what alcohol does to your body. So I I wonder if I was, when I was 21, if I had that information, I would have stopped drinking at 21. Right? That wasn't available. Did you stop smoking at
0: 21 or? Cold turkey. Yeah. I was the same. Yeah. I I think that like, yeah, you go out, you're in bars, you'll have some cigarettes, but then, yeah, when you kind of grow up, I think also when you're like, you know, teens, early twenties, like you do feel like you're going to live forever. Like that's a, that's just you do. You feel invincible, immortal, all of that stuff. So, I don't even know if I would have stopped had I known what alcohol was then. I don't know. That's interesting. That's interesting to think about. Yeah, because you grew up with the you know the warning labels on cigarette
1: packs. Yes, but then at the same time, you know every you know people were smoking at bars or in movies. So. There was like mixed information. Yeah. But when you found someone or you know someone who passed from lung cancer or someone you cared about, then it clicked. Yes. But usually alcohol, you know, it doesn't present itself that way when you're younger at all. It's
0: not considered a
1: death thing. At all. Right. So
0: It's not. I mean, there's not those big warning labels on alcohol. Like yeah. maybe teeny tiny somewhere that I I don't see, but it's not this like giant thing like on cigarette boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not there. I, I feel like maybe that's coming. Okay. So then you were early 20s, kind of drinking socially. How did that kind of turn into something where you questioned your relationship with alcohol?
1: Well, it's interesting for me because it's always been a part of my life, except when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, of course, nothing. But other than that, it was always part of my life. When we lived abroad in Switzerland, my husband and I, we were talking about this because I was trying to think about my relationship with alcohol. And I was like, you know, about eight years ago, we would just like have a glass of wine on a Friday. You travel to another country, try a a unique alcohol. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very informal, not important thing in our life. And what happened in the past seven years, and I'm not, I'm not going to blame this culture on it, but it affected me personally. Yeah, yeah. We joined a country club, and the country club culture of the one I belong to, it was like a martini after tennis, a martini after run of golf.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it was like, I never drank so much in my life, and mm. I got caught up into it, it. And my husband, he was like, well you know, Sarah, the bill this month, you had like 15 martinis. I'm like, what? I did not have 15. Yeah. Like I was losing track, like losing track because you're with your friends and it's part of this culture. Totally. And then COVID happened. Like unfortunately, most people, they perhaps pick up the habit of drinking. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I were separated for eight months. He was in Colombia and I was in the States. So I ended up drinking and I'm, I, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it, but I would drink almost I don't know, a bottle of wine a night of white wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by myself, you're stuck at home and, you know, my kids were not little, so it wasn't, they weren't difficult, right. but as solid as, I don't want to say it's a hobby, but it was a big time filler, like a big time filler. Yes. And then when I moved here, my husband noticed about two years ago, he's like, you were drinking an awful lot more. Mm-hmm. like. Your skin doesn't look good. You know, you go for that glass as soon as five o'clock happens, or two. I'd have two when I'm cooking, and right. and my husband is not a drinker at all. He oh, may have okay. a beer every two weeks, but I started noticing that okay, that's a habit. But the other thing is being forty-seven now, as a for me, hormonally you're changing. Mm-hmm your liver's not processing the alcohol as well as it did 20 years ago. It's so busy processing estrogen. Yeah. And I had weight gain and just just overall not feeling right. But I have to say that it's been really hard breaking the habit. Yeah. And I I'm not completely sober at this moment. Mm-hmm. I do go two weeks at a time without anything. And I did go 40 days once. But I think where I am right now is questioning the culture of it. Yeah. Which I love in your sobriety group because you realize you're not alone. Right. You know, you're you're not alone. And I love the thing that you brought up that you're not an alcoholic
0: if you want to be sober. Right. Which is true. You don't even have to answer that question. I mean that doesn't even have to be No. Like that's what freaked me out when I first was like, oh holy shit, do I need to look at my relationship with alcohol. And it's like, I don't want to go there because then that means that means that I have to answer this question. And I don't want to answer that question. Right. And to this day, I still haven't answered that question because I haven't asked it because I don't need to. It's just not important. I thought that was such
1: an interesting point. Yeah, I, I totally did because it has such this negative connotation of, um. and what was the book? Oh gosh, was it Sober Women? Quit Like a Woman? Quit Like a Woman. Yeah. There are some things in that book I liked and some I didn't, but I did like how she sort of said that this image of in the basement, yes, you know, surrendering that alcohol controls you—that is that is not a modern perspective of it. And I really related to that because I, I didn't—I don't feel like an alcoholic. I don't feel like someone who is you know post-traumatic de- stress disorder, and this is how I deal with it, like or out of control. Yeah, no, it's just this habitual, unhealthy thing that it affects every cell in your body. I mean, every cell breaks the blood brain barrier,
0: which is shocking to me.
1: Right, right. Yeah. You just have to make the healthy change,
0: you know? Yeah. I'm wondering what didn't you like in the Quit Like a Woman book? Because that's so interesting.
1: Well, I guess what happens for me, what I don't like, and maybe I'm dating myself here (laughs) or making myself seem like a traditionist. I didn't like how it brings the term of masculinity and anti-masculinity and pro-femininity. And I don't like making that separation Uh because yes, there's a lot of messaging that is male dominated and it is changing and so and so forth, but it's relatable to both sexes. And I think women, I don't know. I think when women keep saying this anti-women, anti-women, you're not making any progress. You're okay. Yeah, it's that way. But I certainly don't feel like I'm in I'm in a male dominated situation, and any type of advertising, you know, is going to target men and what they should be like. It's going to target women, what it should be like. Is going to target people. Yeah, I just don't like separating things like that. I think it's a very ugly way of I don't know. Maybe because I have two boys,
0: I'm more sensitive to it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is a polarizing part of the book. And when you said that you didn't like something, I was thinking that that might be it because oh, <laughs> when I read it. And I even told my best friend who has been on the podcast, I was like, I love it. It is a little bashing the patriarchy for me, which I I understand, like logically, I get it. Like I understand like women, our egos have never been a problem generally, like we need more ego, right? And that's the thing about Mm -hmm. AA, it's like, put your ego to the side. It's like, well, I don't think women should put our egos to the side. Like she kind of makes that point. And I understand that. I understand that alcohol companies needed more women to start drinking. So there are some facts about that, but it is sometimes she pushes that patriarchy thing, like tearing it all down. She does push that a little hard. So that's interesting that that you kind of, I don't know, rubbed up against that too.
1: Yeah. And I, it is important. It's absolutely important to have women act that way and, and make things known and the message heard. And yeah. if it isn't for women that do that, maybe the message would be heard much later. right? But when I'm trying to come to terms with what alcohol means to me, I never saw it as like a patriarchal thing. Now, however, the idea of like the sippy cup that's a wine glass and the marketing to the mom, I feel completely embarrassed that as a, I think I'm a relatively smart, intuitive woman. I never picked up on that. I never picked up on that. I never picked up on how they market to moms. How did I not realize that I am just a a nameless statistic that they're just marketing these things to? And I thought that
0: was really shocking how subliminally. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Like, don't, and and, you know, it's easy to say, don't feel embarrassed, but It's just genius marketing. I mean, most marketing you shouldn't notice, right? You shouldn't know that marketing is happening. That's how, Mm -hmm. that's marketing at its best. And they are really, really good marketers. And so I do think that, I mean, you're definitely not alone, especially during the pandemic, like women, especially moms were drinking more than ever because we needed it. And also like you had that country club, which we belong to a country club too. And I get it. Like, I know Mm -hmm. that's socially where it happens. I mean, drinks are flowing from morning to night. Mm -hmm. Like that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And so you were in that culture and then the pandemic stopped, but your drinking did it. And so then I think a lot of, you were like a lot of women and a lot of moms who was like, oh, now I actually am drinking alone because mm-hmm. I have to be alone. I'm alone in my house. There's nowhere to go. And so, yeah, that kind of like feeds on itself then. And there's some shame in that, which, you know, the shame, a whole other component that is just so, I mean, it's just, right. that just keeps us drinking. But what is interesting, um, and
1: I'm trying to read about it a little bit more is that, and I I love your Facebook group because collectively you see other women are thinking about these things. Yeah, And one of the things, and also, um, I mean, I'm spacing out now that she brought up, then was it the naked, help me out the naked, this naked mind, this naked mind, the concept of how much time you have when you're not drinking. Yes. You know, you, you realize that in the evening you have your glass of wine, you're cooking, you're doing whatever, you're sitting with your spouse or your partner, alcohol totally blurs your your sense of time. Totally. Totally blurs your sense of time. And you're tired by like nine o'clock, right? Yeah. And now I have maybe, like I had half a drink. I went to New York to see some friends and stuff, and I had like half a drink and I was like, Ugh. like, I didn't like it, but I was like wide awake till 11. Yeah. And it's because like, I don't, you're not drinking is not numbing your body right. and you have to kind of fill that void now. And that was really surprising because your concept of time becomes real Yeah, and you, you end up twiddling your thumbs like, okay, now what? Um, uh, okay. Right. Cause you're not just watching a, a TV show. I don't want to say in a stupor, but you're not. Yeah.
0: You're fully present. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I started trying to knit or, or, you know, clean closets. I don't know. But that has been a surprisingly hard thing is how to fill that
0: time. Yeah, that's so interesting, because I always think of time, especially as moms. I And this is what if anything keeps me up at night, it's this it's that time is going by so fast, and my kids are growing up. And all I want is more time. And so I always think of the benefit of not drinking is that I have that time. It does feel like I have that time back, Mm -hmm. but you bring up such an interesting point, which is when we have that time, what do we do? And what thoughts are coming up and what feelings are coming up when we didn't even realize that we were drinking to kind of temper those and quiet those and so we don't feel them, so we don't hear them. And so- yeah, that's interesting because it is. You do have free time and your mind is free. You do to think and feel and that's it, it can be I think that that is one of the hard things about sobriety. It
1: really is. I mean, it's and and that is such a positive thing to think. And and one of the things I couldn't believe was the mental clarity I've had more the energy. It's like <laughs> it's like you're plugging in these circuits like into the wall and they're connecting now Yeah, and you feel more, you think, you know, at a faster rate, but because of that, there's a little anxiety For sure. because you don't know what to do with that. And it's just, I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. I think a year ago I was a little like, wow, I have a problem. Maybe I should talk to someone and this, this. but now I'm more accepting of that uncomfortable space. Yes, And I want to, like, I have one friend, she's now two years sober and I want to get there and I will get there. But I, I think my process in this sobriety is just being present Mm -hmm. and acknowledging this new energy I have and trying to do something with it. If I happen to have a drink or something, it's, it's not like a slip up, right? It's a moment to realize how much I actually don't like it. I don't want to punish myself anymore. I just want to like, I taste it. I'm like, ooh, you know what? I My husband has a take it or leave it attitude. And that's what I'm working towards is the take it or leave it. And I think that's a healthy mental space for myself right now. And I think that gives me more success than beating myself up. Totally.
0: I think your story is so important because it's not this hard line in the sand. It's not this rock bottom. It's not a, oh, I've been sober for, you know, Two years, six months, months—all these counting days. Counting days, I think, works for some people. I do think for some people it feels punitive. It feels like, God, I don't have enough days. I feel like I had more days. I wish I had more days. And it's like, maybe that's not it for you. Maybe that's not what's going to drive you. I don't count my days. I know my sober date, but I'm not... I don't know. To me, you seem very mindful in your sober journey and that that's what it is, <laughs> is that it's a journey. And you're like, you know, I have seen what alcohol is. I'm learning more about it. I'm learning about why I turned to it. And you're still learning. So you're not, you're not like, no, I'm never drinking again. I think that's really important for people to hear. It's like, you don't have to say, yeah. you don't have to declare yourself anything. You're on this journey.
1: Well, I maybe it's my ADHD, but my I have this habit of setting myself up for failure. You know, like I have all these ideas, and I'm a rather impulsive personality. I'm emotively driven, and these are all great things. Yeah, I often set myself up for failure, and I think that this is a bigger, a bigger, really important thing to understand and come to terms with, and realize that the number thing is a stressful thing to me. Like, yeah. for instance, I weigh myself every day. Mm-hmm. I do that because I have a very non-inflammatory diet. i an autoimmune, okay. which of course alcohol is the worst for. That number doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, the going up and down, up and down. Yeah. But the number of like, oh my gosh, I, if I go to this date, that's seven days. I, okay, okay, this is day 25. Like, I literally will look on the calendar and get stressed. Yeah. And I don't Throw it think out. that works for me. No,
0: it doesn't. And that's okay.
1: And I'm so impressed when people are like a hundred days and I'm like, that just seems so far away. So for me, I'm like, okay, take it or leave it. I don't need it today. Right. You know, just be a little more present and set myself up for success. And also I love the conversation of what sobriety means. And it's so great. You have this podcast because sobriety can mean something and so many different levels to so many people. Yes. And, Just because you're sober two weeks and someone's sober two years, we should congratulate each other. Oh my God. That doesn't mean
0: you failed. No. It doesn't mean that. Not at all. This is a long game. This is your life. It's a long game. I think if something isn't serving you in your sobriety or your sober, curious journey, get rid of it. Just like I did with the alcoholic label. Some people like that label and it empowers them and they hold on to it. I immediately knew... That was that did not feel empowering to me. That felt punitive, and so I was like, "Nope, right? Like, get it out." And maybe your milestones are different. Maybe your milestones are like, you know, I want to experience uh, something sober that you never have, and then that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I think that this is a really important conversation because I I like this idea of throwing it out if it doesn't help you, throw it out. Yeah,
1: and and also like very quickly because I see our time is that. I was really hesitant. I was like, maybe I should cancel with Suzanne no. because I had half a drink. And I was like, but that's not the point of her podcast. Right. No, it's not. And that's not what she wants me to do. She wants me to say, hey, this is where I am because I know there is another woman out there that is totally relating to my story or, you know, I'm not alone. And sobriety, like you said,
0: It's everyone's personal journey, and it's a lifelong journey. I'm so glad you did not cancel. I'm so glad I got to celebrate your (laughs) birthday with you. And also, I think more people will relate to this story than all of the other rock-bottom stories that we've heard. I think this story is one that has to be told over and over and over because I think it's way more prevalent, especially after the pandemic, I think this is the story that's super important. So I'm I'm just so grateful. I'm so glad you didn't cancel on me and stand me up. <laughs> no, no, no. I was no, going to reschedule until <laughs> when I didn't have a drink for two weeks, like something ridiculous like that, which is totally
1: counterintuitive to what this whole thing is about.
0: <laughs> I get it though. I, I mean, I get, I understand that, but I'm so glad you didn't because you did not fail. You are not failing. This is all a part right. of it. You look at it as your long game and you are learning and that can never be bad. It just can never be bad. Yeah. And my favorite
1: word that I learned from you, and I, I can't believe I didn't know it, was just anxiety.
0: Oh, yes.
1: I can't believe I never heard that word before. I was like, oh my gosh, because that's totally what happens the day after. Like, Oh, the worst. It wasn't like that 20 years, but now in your 40s, it's like
0: major totally i feel like maybe if we did have hangovers like this in our 20s maybe but i could i could rally like are you kidding me oh no more anxiety well i'm so i'm so grateful for you and happy birthday i hope this is just your best year yet yeah i think i have a
1: feeling it will be i think so and this is a wonderful way to celebrate Thank you, beautiful. Keep inspiring. Yes, thank you. Yes, really. Keep inspiring. It's such a wonderful thing. So thank you so much.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye.
1: Why are we doing an ad again?
0: So that we can tell people about brand new information, a pop culture and political podcast.
1: Say it in a way that doesn't sound like game show host.
0: Okay. Do you want to be in a room of overeducated douchebags and feel comfortable? Brand new information is for you.
1: What's it going to take to put you in this podcast today? We have brand new information on sale for free. Free. Wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, we might not break the political and pop culture news of the week but we put it right back together for you. That's right. Listen, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us, they have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.